0: Welcome into Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum and coming up on today's episode, Adam Burish and I dive into the end of the Blackhawks 2019-2020 season, a game five loss to the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday night, ending their playoff campaign, dropping the first round series four games to one to Vegas. We look at what was an incredible finish to the season an incredible game five and we look ahead at the offseason to come and some of the big decisions to make for this roster and looking at the youth of this team and the development steps they were able to take not only this year but in their postseason experience as well all that and more coming up on blackhawks insider presented by your chicagoland and northwest indiana chevy dealers it's all about the drive
1: It's showtime. In the playoffs, it's win or go home. With Chevy, it's win and go home in a new Chevy car, truck, or SUV. Check out shop, click, and drive at your local Chevy dealer. Shop online 24-7 and take delivery at home. It's simple, it's safe, it's smart. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to locate your Chevy dealer and schedule a test drive. Eye it, try it, buy it, whatever it takes. Your local Chevy dealers, proud sponsors of the Chicago Blackhawks.
0: Welcome into Blackhawks Insider. Carter Baum alongside Adam Burrish. And Burr, we uh it's been a nice run here, but the Blackhawks season coming to an end on Tuesday night. A four to three loss in game five to the Vegas Golden Knights. They dropped the series four to one to Vegas. Um, we'll dive into the game, we'll dive into the experience. Uh I'm sure in just a few minutes, but I wanted to just get your general thoughts on what we've seen in the last really, I mean, two months or so since, uh, since all this started, since hockey started to return. And uh, most importantly, the last two and a half weeks of meaningful hockey and, and games on television um, for the Blackhawks.
1: Well, it was fun. It was, uh, it was exciting hockey. Um, I think when it all came back right away, and it happened kind of fast. All of a sudden, next thing you know, you kind of you turn your TV on. You're like, "Holy man!" There's hockey's back, and it's like playoffs now, and it's fast, and it's crazy, and it's back and forth. And um, I think for Hawks fans, what was so exciting? I think we had the best matchup and the best series of that opening play and round against the high flying Edmonton Oilers. With you know, really with one line, um, you know, Edmonton had kind of a, a, a tough defense, a tough. Uh, their their defensive core, excuse me, was not so strong, not so great. So there was a lot of openings. You saw high scoring games. So, you know, as a hockey fan, four and a half months off, then you get to dive into a series like that, that opens up game one, six, four, six, five, whatever, you know, crazy scoring back and forth. It's like this is awesome. This is what, this is what we've been missing. So um, from a fan perspective, it was fun from a Blackhawks perspective and a team perspective. Um, I think it was good to get back and play and get some evaluation on guys in some, you know, more stressful playoff type situations. I think it's always different with fans in the building still. Um, I think you could still get a good look and you heard Taves and Kane and Keith kind of talk about it after that. It was great to get that experience in playoff hockey, good to get some young guys, some playoff experience. What was that like? I still think it's different with fans there. I think the pressure is different. I think the feeling you get is different. Um, I was surprised and, and pleasantly surprised throughout the NHL in the playoffs, and with the Hawks, that the games were still—they had a playoff feel to them. There was some bite, there was some pace, there was some momentum swings back and forth, like a, like you expect and, and get in playoffs. Um, so, as far as an evaluation standpoint, I, I think you could still get that. Uh, I think it was fun to see some um, some of the young guys contribute and play well in the playoffs, and and um, it, it, for me, it was uh, you know selfishly as a fan um of this team it was fun to see them see them back and play in the playoffs
0: you mentioned the emotional swings of the games and just how intense they were I mean I think we got every end of the spectrum uh in game five last night with just the the ups and downs of the game you go up two to nothing early you have Jonathan Taves scoring you have Alex Debrinket uh we talked about you know getting that empty net goal in game four and what that can do is for his confidence. Well, he's set up perfectly by Dylan Strom and gives the Blackhawks a 2 nothing lead. Vegas comes back and ties it 2-2. Patrick Kane does Patrick Kane things and uh, undresses Robin Leonard on a, on a short breakaway there. Goes five-hole on him, 3-2. And then Vegas comes back. You tie the game. It's tied going into the third period, an early third period goal for Vegas. You get Corey Crawford on the bench for the last minute 15 of the game looking for the equalizer. I mean, I don't know about you, but it was edge of the seat action all night last night. And if you're going to go out, what a way to go out in an exciting and thrilling and uh, what I thought was just kind of an all-around good game to watch. I mean, Vegas, again, probably outplayed the Blackhawks in the game as a whole, but it was a fun game to watch, and they were in it from from start to finish. Still, regardless of um, Vegas being the deeper and better team that we've talked about,
1: yeah, it was it was a it was a, it was a competitive game. It was a fun elimination game. It's what you want in an elimination game. Um, the Hawks competed. It was uh, you know you heard Jeremy Colleton's comments after the game that the effort was there, the competitiveness was there. Um, so it was fun. It was an exciting. All of a sudden, you jump out to a lead. You know, you and I with our with our Magic ball predicted Alex to bring it maybe scores early to get this team going, scores an empty netter the night, the game before. And then he comes back and scores one again the next night. That was great. Can't we, we said we, we know Kaner's going to show up and score. He does. He has a beautiful little ding, 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 five hole slips it in. Um, so it was, it was kind of what you expected. You no, know, the one thing we had both said too, is this, the Blackhawks penalty kill had been great. Uh, I think a perfect nine and nine for nine. I think it was going into the game. And, um, we said that might have to be perfect again, and they, they, they allow one goal. And it kind of maybe was the difference. If they go perfect on the penalty kill again, who knows? Maybe it gets to overtime. Um, but their penalty kill was great the whole playoffs, too. Um, you, you know, it was something that a year ago the team wasn't very good on the penalty kill. Uh, this year they were better, and then in playoffs they were fantastic. So I think the penalty kill is what kept this series even closer. Uh, I think you're right, Carter. I think Vegas—they were—they were the deeper team. I think they were—they were better. If you—if you're being fair, they deserved to win the series. It wasn't like they got lucky and it was a fluke. And we can all be upset and, and feel like we got screwed. It was a—it was a well played series by the Vegas Golden Knights. They—they're the deepest team. A lot of people would say in the Stanley Cup playoffs, they can roll four lines. They've got—they've got toughness. They've got physicality. They got speed. They got skill. They've got defensemen that. You know, are very offensive. They've got some great stay-at-home defense. They're they're just a well-built team. They were solid. The Hawks hung in there with them. The Hawks were competitive the whole series. It wasn't a blowout either. So it was a, I think exactly what we heard the guys and the coaches say after the game that it was a competitive. It was a good series. Uh, We felt good about the way we competed. Um, Tip your cap. The Vegas Golden Knights played a great series. They're a good hockey team.
0: For the second straight series, I mean, I I don't think anyone is really giving the Blackhawks a chance, you know, they thought, okay, well, they got past Edmonton. Edmonton's kind of leaky defensively and mm-hmm. not, a, not a complete team, but boy, this Vegas team is just going to run them out. And you look at a five-game series and it, it, it does look like that on paper. And I think over stretches of the series, you could see that Vegas was clearly yeah. the deeper, the more experienced, the veteran team really built for a deep playoff run. And I think that they're going to have one here, but you mentioned it. I mean, it within certain games, there were stretches where the Blackhawks were able to dominate, we were able to put forth good efforts and really stick in it right away. I mean, we, we heard it through the first three games. The team wasn't really happy with the fact that they didn't have a win within those. They felt like they deserved a little better. The last two games, uh, perhaps their best performance is in Vegas took it to another level and they were right there with them. So I think when you break down the series into individual games and individual, maybe periods within games, it was, a, it was a little closer series than I think maybe anyone really expected coming in. The end result is still the same, but you know, just getting that taste and getting that firsthand experience of what a playoff-built team like the Vegas Golden Knights are uh, for the group as a whole to get that taste for the veterans and also to get that first experience for the young guys, I think is going to be invaluable going forward uh, in the next year to two years to come.
1: Yeah, I, I, to me, the, the biggest point. You know, and Kane said it too. He said, I would like to contribute a little more. We had some depth guys score. Um, and I thought Kane played great, but you know, that's the way the, the superstar guys are, the guys that have won cups. They always want more. They always want to do more. They always want to contribute more. But I think you're right as far as experience goes. Um, you know, Jeremy gave his depth guys a lot of minutes. He gave them big minutes and big matchups against Edmonton. He had his third and fourth lines out there quite a bit against the McDavid line. Um, you know, last night, you know, he gave you know, his depth guys he, you know, camp thirteen minutes. Um, Quinville almost fourteen minutes. Um, he gave those guys a lot of ice time. Highmore played ten. Nobody, nobody in the single digit ice time. So he gave them a lot of it, a lot of it, uh, expect a lot of experience out there playing them a lot. And I think that kind of shows you if you're one of those bottom six depth guys. You're thinking, all right, good. I got the experience. I got to play a lot. And now I can kind of evaluate if we're going to be a Stanley Cup contender in a team, seeing what the Vegas Golden Knights, their third and fourth line guys, they had a lot of offensive zone time. And I think our depth guys played well. I think they competed, but I think they were on their heels a lot. And if you want to be a, a, a really good team and you you kind of show your teammates and your And your team that you've got that great depth, those bottom guys, now they got to take the next step and say, all right, I want to initiate now. I I want to go out there and pin a team in their zone for a minute like the Knights third or fourth line did often. I want to be heavy on guys. I want to stop around the net. I want to create some chaos a little bit. I want to make defensemen uncomfortable. I don't want to play safe out there, but a lot of times just playing ping pong, being a plus player at the end of the night as a depth guy. Um, having great offensive zone time, creating some momentum, getting the starting the play a lot of times as a depth guy. You start with a defensive zone face-off. You can end that shift in the offensive zone, create an offensive face-off. Then you know you're coming off the ice and or taser coming over the boards for that offensive zone. That's a positive shift. And doing that over and over and over again in a long series and a long playoff run, that's when you know, all right, that now our depth guys are there. they figured this out. They kind of figured out I don't always have to score, but I don't always have to play on my heels either. Um, and at times, the, the Vegas Golden Knights—they make you feel that way—that you got to defend, I got to stay back, I got to play careful because they just keep coming and coming and coming at you. Um, but getting that experience playing against a, a team that I—I I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Vegas Golden Knights in, in the Stanley Cup Finals the way that the way they're playing right now and the depth that they have. Because I think as this thing goes on, you're going to see more and more guys get tired and sore. Uh, I, I, you hate to talk about injuries, but uh, you're going. You see teams now; a lot of guys are going down, and guys are getting sore and hits, and they're wearing guys out. And so, you know, it's going to be a, a little battle of attrition too. But um, for me, it was a good lesson for a lot of these young Blackhawks. Their first times in the playoff, and then playing against a team, you know, in the Vegas Golden Knights that is that you know, went deep last year and the year before, went to the finals to a game seven.
0: One guy who was getting his first taste of playoff experience, but. Uh, certainly didn't look like it out there and I don't think we've talked a ton about over the last few weeks is is Connor Murphy. Uh, another incredible game in Game 5, a beautiful, uh, almost Savard-type uh, move to keep the puck in at the blue line and set up the, uh, the second goal in the first period for the Blackhawks. A guy who has been a, pretty much a consistent blue line force back there, usually maybe a quieter guy, but I think especially when you see him paired with Duncan Keith over the last few games, you know, just what he's able to do on the ice. I think we really saw Connor Murphy take yet another step forward in his game and um, another bright spot on that blue line when you look into the next few years of, of a young guy like that who can play that type of game, who has that shutdown role, and is already starting to perform at that level.
1: Yeah, you've mentioned his name a couple times in the last month, and you and I have talked about him. But I I think this playoff run was the best he's played as a Blackhawk. It's it's the best we've seen him play. Um, He looked really confident out there. He was physical. He had some bite, and um, you know you can you can sense that this team is they're trying to find a guy to play with Duncan Keith, and they want that Seabrook and Duncan Keith matchup and pairing. And they've been trying different guys with him who wants And really it's, it's a tryout who wants that spot next to Duncan Keith, who wants to be that guy to play next to him. And it's a great spot to be if somebody can grab it. And I think you always try comparables, like let's try and fit a guy that can be close to Seabrook and, you know, tough guy to, to replace, um side note i thought it was pretty amazing that seabrook was out there practicing before this whole thing started with the guys full contact full go after having you know multiple hips two hip surgeries a shoulder surgery like geez i'd be on my deathbed after two surgeries like that <laughs> and next thing you know like it feels like 15 minutes later he's out there practicing and full go so um that was pretty cool to see for me um but yeah connor murphy he last night he looked like that guy he looked like that guy that could be the Seabrook next to Duncan Keith again. He was he had some great offensive flair like Seabrook has. He had the physicality. He was, you know, solid defensively. I I remember there was a play when he ran a guy into the back of the net, kind of blocked his man out, ran him into the back of the net and he was kind of sleeping in the back of the net for a minute there, but that physical presence that I'm not going to let you get to the net. I'm a big body. It's annoying for forwards, uh, you know, playing against Seabrook and practicing against him. Just a big body that is always in your way around the net. You can never get to where you want to get to. It's it's It wears forwards down. It's hard to play against a guy like that. And Connor did that in multiple times this series. Uh, he asserted his size and strength on guys. And then he threw in some some nice offensive ability too. So I thought he had a great playoffs. And sometimes it just takes that, that one opportunity or that one playoff series to get some confidence in your game. And I think this could have been it for Connor. And I think we could see coming into next season, him kind of fall into his own and and, and have that confidence that, hey, I, I'm going to be a big time player for this team.
0: I want to get your thoughts, Burr, because if you look at the season as a whole, I mean, the playoff experience, and we talked about it, being getting a taste of that level for a lot of these young guys is important. And it's going to, I think, kind of jumpstart their career forever. Whenever they're back in the playoffs, they kind of have that first taste. It might not be the real deal, but it's a good start. It's a good foundation where you're not kind of bright eyed and, um, kind of, kind of in shock at what's happening. I mean, for you going into your first playoff experience, how much, how much different was it in those first few games to just try and get your legs? I mean, to, to build on that and kind of build that confidence, uh, within yourself to know that you can kind of, you you can contribute at that level. And I know you're going to say you didn't play a whole lot, but I mean, you, you did play a big role.
1: Oh, I actually did my first game. Yeah. I think I played like, I actually played yeah. a lot Carter matter of fact, my first playoff game. So thank you very <laughs> much. Yeah. We played against the Calgary flames. I remember. Uh, yeah, it was, to be honest, it was more fun. It, it, I, I was you know, we were, I remember being really nervous. It was actually a lot of us, for a lot of us, it was the first time any of us had played in playoffs, Duncan, Zebra, Kane, Tave. It was the first time any of us had played in a playoff game. So we were all kind of in the same boat together, but I think you're just more excited. You're, you're, you your anticipation, you're nervous, but you're like, I'm going to go out there and just let it rip. And you're going to go 150 miles an hour. And uh, at times, you know, nobody's getting to the wrong spot faster, but um, it was just fun. It was exciting. And then what, what the lessons you do that I remember you kind of learn is the the momentum swings and the ups and the downs. And when you lose a game, you're like, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to beat this team? This is terrible. We, we played awful. Like this team's got us. And then you wake up the next day and it's like, it feels like a new game again. It feels like a brand new series game one back over again. And, um, and the other thing you, you, you start to figure out is how to manage your body too, because it's, it was so hard. Every game is so much more intense and physical and taxing on your body than a regular season game was because you're going so much harder. Um, so then, you know, taking care of yourself and, um, at, at times figuring out in a game where you can conserve energy, maybe sometimes you can't go, you know, run after a guy for a hit or get yourself out of position because, you know, for over a seven game series or over a, a four round playoff run, you just can't. So uh, you learn little things like that about how to play in a playoff game and, and where you can go, where you can't go, how to manage your your, your emotions. Um, so it was, it was good for these guys. And, and I'm sure even something like this, when you know, you didn't have a whole lot of practice time. Who knows what you know guys were doing the four and a half months off. So I'm sure there was a lot of times in these games and between games when their bodies were tired and sore. And how do you manage that? And the emotions are different too. And so I think that's a, a lot of that is, is is good for guys to go through.
0: You see, so many of these young guys on the roster, and I I, I want to get your your thoughts on this from the beginning of the season. You know, coming in, there was maybe a little bit of a question mark of where's this team headed. You have Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, Patrick Kane, you know, they're not getting any younger. They're still playing great hockey, but they're not getting any younger. What's it going to take to kind of get back to that level? What's kind of the excitement level or where's your head at looking at the next couple years of this organization when you see the big steps that guys like Kirby Dock, Dominic Kubelik, uh, even Adam Boquist, all those younger names really took this year to prove that they're not. Ready two to three years from now, they're ready right now and ready to kind of step in and and compete right away and really kind of jumpstart uh, this return to the postseason in, in a real sense and not the expanded playoff field, but to actually put together a complete season and go through the entire rigors of uh, a regular season and and make a playoff run now.
1: Yeah, well, we'll start with Kane Tays and Keith, who you who you mentioned first, all. You know, Kane 89 point Cs that's a hot to me that in 60 what, 69 or 70 games that's a hundred point season again for him possibly another ca- could could have been a career high in points Jonathan Taves another career year uh, Duncan Keith for me had a much better year this year than last year I thought he was you know he, again has not missed a step still an elite shutdown in offensive defenseman once they put him back on the first unit of the power play the power play took off um, so those three guys, that's your core, and they're not taking steps back. They're actually taking steps ahead and getting better. So, okay, we're good there. Now we still got the core group of guys. We've got the superstars that you need to have to win a Stanley Cup. They're there. Now it's, you know, what are the guys around them doing? What are the guys around them? How are they going to fit in? How are they going to contribute? Um, I, I should have said Brandon Saad, too, who had a great year. I thought he had a great playoff, Absolutely. too. He looks fast. He's a playoff player. He's got a playoff body, the way he kind of protects pucks and push guys around. Um, you know, he's still getting better too. And he, he, I always forget, he's like, he's in his late, mid, late 20s, right? I mean, I feel like he's 35 years old, but he's, you know, 27 yep, or 27. something like that, he I think. It. 27, a younger guy. So um, Kubalik, now you got another guy, right? You've got another guy now that's, you know, you think back to, you know, Stanley Cup teams from the Blackhawks, Where you know, he's not a host of guy, but he's a guy that's going to you can count on maybe scoring eight, nine, ten goals in a playoff run an Andrew Ladd or a Dave Bowler, those kind of guys with those similar numbers. He's going to put those up now. You can count on him in the playoffs. You've seen it. He did it regular season, came back, did it again. Um, there's no flukes with him anymore. He's an older guy, too, which I think is nice. He's not a 20 or 21 year old. He's an older, older guy, you know, fits into his body now. Um, so he's a guy that I I think is really exciting piece, um, for this team. And then we talked about Connor Murphy, uh, stepped up big time, reliable guy. Um, and then Adam Boquist, I think, again, a guy that a work in progress, but a young guy that you could see, he's got some high end skill and you can always, you listen to, um, to what the teammates say about a guy. And if it's, you know, if it's kind of vanilla, if it's nothing, they'll just say, yeah, he's doing good, but they're, they're really complimentary of him. They get to see him more than we do in practice. Um, the things you do in practice and the habits you have in practice and the plays you make in practice um, that kind of gives guys a real look at what's this guy going to be like. And so high end skill, I think he plays a new style NHL. So another guy that I think that's exciting. Um, it, another guy that popped out big time and you, you've mentioned him a bunch is Olimata Mata in this playoffs. You called him an, I think you called him an offensive juggernaut <laughs> uh, the other day. He's a fourth but, leading um, scorer. You know, a guy that I know, I know. So, uh, but again, that's a guy that, you know, has won 3 Stanley Cups and the organization brought him in for some kind of depth veteran defense defensive um, you know, pairing kind of setup and you know at times regular season um, you know, it, it it was okay. He was this is what now you see why they brought him in and why he was a part of the 3 Stanley Cup championship teams is he's a playoff guy too. He's a guy that knows how to compete, knows when to take chances, no one to kind of sit back and conserve. So I thought he had a uh, he had a great playoff too. So there's certainly some pieces here um, that are real nice to go to go alongside a a core group of guys that you know in some crazy way they just keep getting better and better and better and and just as much fun to watch as they were you know 12 or 13 years ago.
0: As you look ahead to next season, there's a little bit of off season work that Stan Bowman and the hockey operations staff have to do. There's a a couple restricted free agents, um, some some work to do. Dominic Kubelik's one of those guys. I personally think it's a no-brainer to keep someone like that around. I mean, you've got a Calder Trophy finalist, someone who led the all NHL rookies in scoring. You're, you're not going to let someone like that walk away. You have Dylan Strom, Drake Kajula, Slater Cuckoo, and, and Malcolm Subban, all restricted free agents coming into the summer. Uh, the only unrestricted free agent you really have from your NHL roster is Corey Crawford, and we've talked about him time and time again. I think he's a main staple of this uh, this revamped podcast that we've been doing the last few weeks, but uh, another guy who coming into the season, there were not questions, but maybe some concerns about his longevity, his health with a couple of years of dealing with concussions. That's why you saw the team bring in Robin Leonard early in the season, but boy, oh boy, did Corey Crawford prove that he is absolutely an NHL goaltender, can absolutely lead a team and um, you know continues to be a staple of this roster.
1: Yeah, I don't think Corey wants to go anywhere. I don't think I'd be surprised um, if he went anywhere else. Um, I still think he's one of the top goaltenders in the league. And so uh, I think that's a, for me, a no-brainer that he's back and then they sign him, um, you know, is it, it's not going to be a 10-year deal. I don't think anybody expects that, but I expect him to be back. And I know that he, there, you know, there's no, I don't think there's anywhere else he'd rather play. I think he wants to be back here and, and play here. Um. The other guys, who knows? I mean, a lot of times, you know, we, we can look at that and you went through that list of the forwards um, that need to be re-signed. And um, I think all of them, you can make a case why they should be signed. But you don't know what, you know, the the staff and the, uh, the what they have out there. What else is available? Who are the other players available? We don't, you know, we won't get into that. But there's other free agents that, you know, that they may say, I can get this guy. I can get him a little cheaper. And we think he's the same player. Or a better player, I, so there's just there's so many variables coming free agency day, and who can slide in there. Um, I think Kubelik, you're right, is a no-brainer. Um, you know, I think the other thing you don't know is what what these guys are asking for, what the, what, what price they're gonna they're gonna ask for. Um, you know, I, I think Drake Caggiula is a guy that he's a competitive guy. He's you know the kind of guy that I think you need a lot of depth guys like him. I think those kind of players are valuable in the playoffs. Guys that can kind of have a high motor, that can play fast, that can play in your face. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you just, you, you just, you don't know what the, what the staff has in the stable, who else is available out there, who else they're talking to. So um, free agency day, it's always fun. But I think for this, this Hawks team, you, you have to imagine um, they'll be working on a few things.
0: Well, that's why you and I sit here and, and talk about it on a podcast and, and in everything we do, we don't have the difficult job that Stan Bowman and uh, Al McIsaac and, and everyone in hockey ops has of putting the team together and working out all the financials, dealing with the salary cap, dealing with everything that's going to take place, uh, we just get to sit here and dissect it <laughs> and look about it. Uh, hindsight's twenty-twenty, you know?
1: Right. I like it better that way.
0: Well, it's going to be, uh, uh, I think, a quiet few weeks. We're going to go back into a little bit of a hiatus here with Blackhawks Insider. There's not a ton to happen as the rest of the postseason goes along, but it's going to get interesting really quick, Burr, because not only – is the season going to come to an end in the next six to eight weeks? It's going to be a quick turnaround to what is hopefully the start to the next season. Nothing is confirmed, of course, in in the world that we live in. But as of right now, the NHL is hoping to open training camps in mid-November for a potential December 1st start date for the next season. So a quick turnaround, a quick off season for all of these guys, Uh, a couple critical dates. These are all tentative. Nothing is, like I said, confirmed right now until uh, every step of the way kind of plays out as it goes. But as of right now, October 4th is the last possible day for the Stanley cup to be awarded. Uh, October 9th and 10th is what is scheduled to be the 2020 NHL draft, which the Blackhawks will have, I think somewhere in the 16 to 17 range uh, of the pick depending on uh, I think how Montreal finishes their postseason and then free agency is going to happen right in there as well if not in the same week very close to the draft and that's going to be just uh, a a chaos week for everything that happens within there just taking an entire offseason of roster movement and development and transactions and um, just kind of putting it into a couple of days essentially in in early to mid-October it's going to be a lot of fun, but uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about during that time. So I need you to rest up. I need right. you to uh, prepare because it's going to be an exciting off season. There's a lot to look forward to going into next year, and uh, we're going to be here to break it all down for you.
1: Yeah, it was fun. That was a fun postseason, and I think it gets people excited to to get next season started again. A lot of fun things to look forward to.
0: I'm already trying to reset my clock, you know, the countdown clock of how many days till training camp, how many days yeah, till this, right. well, we, we don't have a date right now, but you can be excited because, uh, what is it? It's August 19th here. We're sitting here recording this. You're, you're talking maybe three months at most before before training camp nice. starts. So uh, it'll be fun. Uh, plenty of time for you to rest up. Enjoy the family. It's been great talking to you uh, on a regular basis and, and doing these shows once again. And I uh, can't wait till we can do it again soon. Hopefully in person and, and covering games in person once again yeah. uh, once all the conditions are right.
1: You got it. Can't wait for that.
0: Well, that will do it for today's episode of Blackhawks Insider. Like I said, we're going to go back uh, on a little bit of a hiatus, but stay tuned to Blackhawks.com for everything you need to know throughout the coming weeks about offseason, about uh, free agency, the draft. We'll have you covered there, and we'll be back whenever uh, things start to pick up once again. So for Adam Burrish, I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago, drive what Kane and Taves drive.